0: The Adam Shine
1: Podcast. Ah, yes. Episode 41 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And wow, do we have a show for you today? The legendary Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football, my neighbor. He is absolutely sensational on TV. He's got a podcast on The Ringer. 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. He is a rock star. Kyle Brandt joins us as the featured guest on the Adam Shine Podcast. Buffalo Bills superstar quarterback Josh Allen. He was on Shine On Sports with me on Sirius XM on Mad Dog Sports Radio. If you missed it, A, shame on you. B, you're in luck. We're gonna play it for you on the Adam Shine podcast. So we had Aaron Rodgers last week. We got Josh Allen this week. Bob Stew, of course, our senior executive producer is with us as per usual. We're going to pick the Super Wild Card games against the spread, as we always do. Listen, that Aaron Rodgers interview last week was phenomenal. It was incredible, and I appreciate all the nice words on it. And it's interesting tying in Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and the interviews that we've done back-to-back weeks on the podcast. I, I thought that the regular season in the NFL was incredible. And after the wheel stops spinning and the playoff matchups are set, I think you have four teams that can realistically win the Super Bowl. And you could debate the order, but you have Kansas City, you have Buffalo, the Green Bay Packers, and the Baltimore Ravens. I love how the Ravens have been playing down the stretch with Lamar, J.K. Dobbins, Love what I'm seeing from that defense. I know that Baltimore is obviously a wild card team, but that's my mindset here. If you wanted me to add a fifth, I would include Tampa Bay. I like the way the Bucs and Tom Brady's been throwing the football the last couple of weeks. The Mike Evans injury gives me a little pause, but that would be my postseason power ranking, and I think that the Buffalo Bills, the Packers, the Chiefs, and I think the Baltimore Ravens, those are the squads that I wouldn't bat an eye if they ended up raising Lombardi's trophy in Tampa on Super Bowl Sunday. And I I really think that the Packers getting that home field, as Aaron Rodgers said that they were going to last week on the podcast, no one's beating the Green Bay Packers in the NFC. The AFC is going to be much more competitive, and I can't wait for the postseason to get underway. Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football joins us on the Adam Shine podcast. And make sure you stay tuned for Josh Allen, who will join us as we move along. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, my guy, the great Kyle Brandt, who, of course, is the host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football, which airs Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And Kyle is, of course, also the host of 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt podcast, available on Spotify and YouTube. Kyle, how are you, my friends?
3: All right, my friend, two things. One, I was going to be crestfallen if you did not introduce me as the great Kyle Brandt, which you did, one for one. And I will be just as crestfallen if when this conversation is put out on social media, you do not use the line, you wanted him, you got him, the great (laughs) Kyle Brandt. That's what I demand from you.
1: That, uh, listen you asked for it you got it right yes. I mean, that's that's the way it works the people demand and we we have to make sure that at the end of the day we give them what they want uh kyle we're, we're 30 seconds in and you already have me laughing that, that's i love what, it I, I
3: every time i see that you tweet that i'm i want to listen immediately because I, it's it's it doesn't matter who the guest is you find yourself wanting it it could be tom brady or it could be you wanted him you got him CBF Sports' Will Brinson is joining. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I did want Brinson. I love the way you phrased that, and I want part of it. That's
1: right. You will absolutely be part of that, as you always are, my friend. You know, there's so much I want to talk to you about and so many things I want to do in terms of this conversation. I want to start with a little football because, you know, you were always appointment television in my house. You know how much I love good morning football and love what you do. And I always watch. I wanted to watch you on Monday morning after that debacle on Sunday night. What was your reaction? What was going on in your minds as you witnessed Nate Sudfeld come into that game?
3: This was such a big deal in what we do. This was catnip for talk sports, talk sports, radio, TV, everything. And as such, it's come in phases, you get emotional phases when you see something like that, um, waves, if you will. Mm-hmm. At first, it was it was confusion, and then it was anger, and then it became acceptance about, this is ridiculous. Doug, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And i got to tell you what changed me. What changed me and kind of flipped me on this thing was when I saw the Joe Judge monologue. And I will call it a monologue because, A, it was just him speaking for a long time, and, B, I think there was a performance aspect to it. And when he came out and said, you will never see me do that and dishonor the game and all of that, I'm sitting there at the table on Good Morning Football. And Peter Schrager, who's this New Jersey native and has a little bit of love for the Giants, started getting on his high horse, too, about, you know, you disrespected the shield and I'm with Judge. And I said, you know what, Peter? I bet Doug Peterson's reaction to that is, hey, Joe. What have you ever done in this league? When you win a Super Bowl, why don't you tell me how to run my team? Until then, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. You can kiss my butt, and we'll see you next week. I mean, it's like I got pissed at Joe Judge for being pissed at Doug Peterson. That's how emotional this thing has gotten. Then Ron Rivera had his monologue, and he was pissed about it. I think the only person who hasn't weighed in is Mike McCarthy, who somehow has nothing to do with it, but he'll have his take, too.
1: Listen, I love the way you frame that too, because I I said what Joe Judge did was kind of sports radio esque and you say monologue. That that's what it was. I mean, there was thought that was put into it and he just it's like he was delivering an opening to a show. Mm -hmm. Listen, I don't give a damn about Joe Judge or the Giants or their fans. I just had a problem with it, Kyle, from the perspective of the Eagles. Where if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, in a year where it was a total disaster, mm-hmm. I mean, is Jalen Hurts the quarterback? There's an I don't know quotient to that, and I thought it would have benefited the Eagles. I mean, shame on me for thinking this. If Jalen Hurts could find a way to beat Chase Young in Washington mm-hmm. and help convince people he's the guy.
3: I know. And and so this, what What do you read into that then? Because my thought was, all right, it's almost like they don't want Jalen to do that. And are they still protecting Carson? Are they st- because Jalen Hurts going and beating Washington and running for his third touchdown that night and throwing for one and being the spoiler, and we end the season. Okay, Jalen Hurts is the guy. You couldn't responsibly start Carson Wentz week one next year. And it's almost like the deep conspiracy theory is they benched Hurts having nothing to do with Sudfeld or even Hurts having to do with Wentz. And as you've seen since then, Adam, uh, everyone in the front office from Roseman, everyone said, we have no plans uh, to move Carson Wentz. Howie Roseman said, Carson Wentz is like, uh, when you look down, he's like a finger on one of your hands. It's like part of your body, and you can't possibly imagine it not being there. Now, that was just weird. But even weirder is that maybe they're like, well, we still want Wentz. We can't let Jalen be the superstar here.
1: You know, it's interesting you reference Wentz because yeah. I know how much you love Wentz, and I love Wentz, and I thought Wentz was going to have a monster season, yes. and and I was wrong, and the Eagles were wrong, and it didn't happen. You know, with that said, you know, I'm not one of those, you know, guys on radio, TV, or podcast where it's going to be like my way or the highway. I thought mm-hmm. Doug should have benched him way before he actually did. It was pretty crystal clear to me the Wentz wagon was broken how surprised were you by Carson Wentz's struggles? And Kyle, how do you think this is going to play out this offseason?
3: Very surprised. Okay, I have memories, man. I was in a I was I was in studio with you in Manhattan on your radio show and we were talking about, you know, you're saying, you're the, the conductor of the Wentz wagon, Kyle Brandt, and it was you're the guy driving that, that, that bandwagon. And I was like, you're right, it is, and, and Wentz is amazing. And here's what I'm surprised by. We've seen him uh, play through injuries. We've seen him play as a rookie. We've seen him play after he was a backup in the Super Bowl because he was hurt. Just all these difficult things, and yet this year – when it was him, and this again, last year we saw him get to the playoffs with nobody around him. Carried that game, yeah, th- yeah, tar- carrying it like it was. So this was the year. This was the year. Wentz was just—he's he, all set up. There's, Nick Foles is long gone. You, you're not playing with just your your fifth string receivers. And it was like it was like few things I'd ever seen because I didn't recognize him. It wasn't that he was just missing a few throws. It it was his whole body was different. His whole demeanor was different, and I it was I think it was something between the ears. Like it was almost in that crazy yip territory, like like the the knoblockian territory yeah. of like. I'm not sure he could throw a simple pass. At one point, I think it was about three-quarters of the way through the season. And, and listen, I don't do this gratuitously. I do this because I really believe it. I think he was the worst starting quarterback in the league. Like, they, yeah. they didn't have any chance. I mean, out of 32 quarterbacks, and that included Nick Foles, who was playing at the time, who might have been 31, ironically. It just it fell apart completely. And you start to hear things about his relationship with Peterson, and they just don't have – I don't know. I know that that locker room is really, really unique with what they've been through. Uh, There's a lot of them who are connected through deep friendship. A lot of them who are Christian, who have a really strong brotherhood, and they stick together. I think it is a unique locker room. And to watch him fall apart like he did, it was really strange.
1: Do you think there's a team Indianapolis with Frank Reich, New England, because it's New England? Uh, Denver, is mm-hmm. there a team out there that would trade for Carson Wentz, should trade for Carson Wentz?
3: It doesn't seem like a great move right now, man, just because it, his contract is so big. And it's like, are we definitely getting a great player? I, of course I would love to do it. I don't care about the contract. I'll pay the money if he's going to be great. But man, if you trade for him and he looks anything like this year, it's almost like a player in his free agency year who was just terrible and no one wants him. It almost feels like the trade equivalent of that. I'll put it this way: you know, I, I'm I don't call myself a fan because I don't care if they lose, but I am a Bears enthusiast. I'm I'm from the Chicago suburbs. I grew up as a Bears fan. You know that. And if someone were to say to me, "All right, the Bears are going to lose by 40 this weekend to the Saints, and Trubisky's going to be done. They're going to cut him loose. You want a piece of Wentz?" and I'm like. I'm not jumping at it. I'm not. Because I remember a year ago, they were asking all the same questions about the Bears. Do you want Andy Dalton? Do you want Cam Newton? Do you want Jameis Winston? And it was no for all of them. So especially with how much he's going to cost, listen, he'll find work. But I'm, I'm not doing backflips to have him as my starting quarterback next year. I was too rattled by this year. I can't count on him
1: yeah no i i get it completely and and listen it's crazy to think i mean he was carrying one year ago at this time literally 365 days ago a bunch of no names i mean boston scott sounds like a fictional midfielder from johns hopkins lacrosse (laughs) i mean you know i never even heard of this guy before last year and now you know he feels carson wentz feels broken i i i I am with you i'd be scared and adam
3: can I, i i love to do this Can I commandeer this conversation for a second to pose you a question? Please. I I love how how excited you get about things, especially things that you are into and positive about. Yep. How high on life are you right now about the 2020 Buffalo Bills? Oh,
1: my God.
3: Just tell me. Let me in.
1: On a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably a 183. A 183. Listen, they lead the league in fun. I love this team. I mean, Kyle, to me, the Chiefs are still the team to beat, right? I mean, you know, Mahomes is great, and and Andy Reid. There's something a little different about this team. You know, they've been in a lot of close games. I think Green Bay can win a Super Bowl. I think Mm -hmm. Baltimore can make a run. But there's something about these Bills. And you know what I I love? I love the building of it. I love Brandon Bean. I love Sean mm-hmm. McDermott. I love that they, they found their guy in Josh Allen. I love that they coached him up with Brian Dayball. They surrounded mm-hmm. him with the right talent, with Beasley, with Brown, and then the mm-hmm. Diggs deal. I mean, that's how you build a winner. And if there's a fan base that deserves this, it's Bill's
0: Mafia
3: Cup. I know. I know. And it's. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's the first thing you said – How do you not love this team? And we are in the most cynical time in human history where everything sucks and I hate this and I hate that. How do you not love the Bills? The yeah. unbelievably likable team. It's the rare thing where I don't see what anybody's criticism How do you sit there and be like, nah, I'm not a fan of them? Like, I look at celebrities. I look at actors, singers. There's so few who have this 100% approval rating. And I'll call out one. I don't think there's anyone in the world who does not like Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Like, she... <laughs> who doesn't like Elaine, Veep, Julia? She's like 100%. The Bills have a JLD-type quality where it's like, Point to McDermott, uh, rock solid. Stephon Diggs, all he's done is show up, shut up, and be the best receiver in the league. Josh Allen, big, cool, fun, good attitude. The defense, it's it's just – it's all likable, and you could look at all these other teams. Maybe Rodgers is too much for you. Maybe you think he's smug. Maybe you think you got uh, baggage with Andy Reid, and you don't like the Chiefs. You can poke holes in everything. The Bills are the most likable team I've seen in years, and I got to tell you, I, I think they're going to put a sh- put on a show in the playoffs.
1: I can't wait for it. I mean, I, I don't need you know Pro Football Focus or Next Gen Stats mm-hmm. to say that they lead the league in fun. I mean, you know, I'm I'm obsessed with the with the Buffalo Bills. Kyle, do you think they can go to the Super Bowl and win it this year?
3: If you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago, week 14, week 15, maybe even 16, I just I still would have said that all roads lead to Patrick Mahomes. I'm changing my tune. I I do think they can, and I'll tell you why. They have not had a game in over a month as we 're talking right now in which they have not won by four touchdowns i 'm um, awesome. really big right now in in, in week seventeen when everyone 's trying to punch wild card tickets and win divisions everyone 's obsessed with the standings everyone 's obsessed with the records because it 's math. I try to look at never mind the standings, never mind the right who is playing really well right now, like who is on fire? Those are the teams that i don 't want to play so I don't want to play Baltimore this weekend. I don't care what happened in September, October. I don't want to play them. I obviously don't want to play Green Bay, and I don't want to play Buffalo. So you think, well, Mahomes, they're not Mahomes. Exactly what is it if you just line up the teams next to each other where you're saying, wow, the Chiefs just blow away the Bills? Because Allen is playing as well as Mahomes. Diggs is playing as well as as Tyreek. And you look at Kelsey, okay, Kelsey's unbelievable. They don't have a Kelsey. Well, I think their defense is better than Kansas City's. Yep. And so it's like Sean McDermott has also been to a Super Bowl. It's like he, they, they all line up. So I think we are past this point now of saying, oh, it's, it's blasphemy to even compare anybody to the Chiefs. It's not. They're that good, and I think they're going to show us.
1: You know, you actually hit on something that I happened to say at the beginning of the podcast, and I want to mm-hmm. pick your brain on. And I'm, I'm not, you know, pinning down your take until I get it completely but you just happened to mention the four teams that I said are the only ones that could win the Super Bowl. And, mm. every, you know, every once in a while there's a surprise. Chiefs, debate the order, Chiefs, Bills, the Green Bay Packers, and the Baltimore Ravens. I think those are clearly the teams heading into the postseason.
3: All right. Here's my exception. There is a team you did not mention that blew the doors off of one of the teams you did. And that would be the team in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Tampa Bay destroyed Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six, which he doesn't do. He, they destroyed him. They rattled him. I mean, it was really a showing. Now, I have been uh, a skeptic, as most people have been, about the Buccaneers. They've always felt to me like a greatest hits album. It's not really an authentic listening experience, <laughs> it is a collection of impressive parts thrown together to sell merchandise it, it's not authentic and they've always felt like an all-star team or something and yet i don't know listen something something has clicked it's the nightmare that no one wanted in the nfc where they start blowing teams out they start clicking and it we have so much focus on brady as we should and gronk and evans and antonio the defense cracks skulls. They really do, and we're talking about the number one run defense. Studs in the middle, studs on the line. Like I think that they're built. I really do, and I've I've almost been loath to accept them, Adam, because it's just it's it's the shiny object. It's the low hanging fruit. It's it's Uncle Bruce and it's Tom and everything. But even in spite of myself, I still think they got the firepower, and I think they finally started to put it together and sound like a real album.
1: And by the way, week 16, week 17, I don't care who they played. You can tell Tom's throwing it better. Love what you said about the defense. The chemistry is there. Yep. They'd be team five on my list. And they do have that win against the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I don't see anyone beating the Packers at Lambeau. And look, I I, know. I destroyed the Packers in the offseason, destroyed Brian <laughs> Gunakis for the draft. Aaron broke his silence on, on your podcast on The Ringer. It was unbelievable. I interviewed him last week for the Adam yeah. Schein podcast. I mean, he's my favorite person in sports to talk to. Because he's a superstar and he's one of the most thoughtful and intelligent and interesting characters in the history of sports. I heard him on your podcast and I said, shoot, he's going to absolutely tear apart the NFL this this upcoming season. Take us through that conversation and everything you've seen from the Packers this year.
3: Well, I, I I want I want you to, to to take us through yours too because I know it was an incredible get by you and I think you touched on something there which is um, Aaron Rodgers is is absolutely incapable of speaking in a single cliche. It's it's unbelievable. I I think it's as good of a talent as he has on the football field and like you could ask him stock annoying uh, middle of the road question. Hey, Aaron, uh, so what's it going to take to beat the opponent this weekend? And he will not say, you know, we need to execute our game plan and we just really need to come together as a team. He stops and thinks about it for a while. And then he really tries for a guy who doesn't have to try squat he, 15 years ago. He could have tried not now. And I, if you're asking me about my interview, I asked him, we were, we were talking about the media and, uh, I said, do you have, Aaron, do you have a philosophy with the media? Like, w- what is your approach when, you, when you're when you doing either interviews at your locker or big network sit-downs or whatever? And he said, and he paused. And he, he which said, he always
1: does because he's thinking, pause. which I love. Everyone's yeah. such a an
3: an- quick to answer. He thinks about it for a second. And, he, he, I mean, he went into really interesting stuff, Adam, about, first of all, I respect everyone. I try to say what their name is. I try to remember it, and I, I refer to them by name. And I just, I, I try not to give cliches. I try really hard to give good answers. And he started getting into interviews about how the interviews that he doesn't like. He's like, I've done interviews before where I can tell from the first question that the person's not listening to what I'm saying. They're not. They're just looking at their questions they've lined up and they're waiting for me to finish talking so they can answer the next question. He's like, and I know that. And what fun is that for me? I'm trying to have a conversation with you. He said, there are very few people who actually listen and it's it, 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 it enjoy silence in these conversations and actually think for a second. So, the second he starts talking like that, you know, you're dealing with a completely different caliber. Um, yeah. And it, it was, I was, he didn't get into the nuances of, of quarterbacking and all that brilliant stuff. You could talk to Aaron Rodgers for two hours and not even talk about football and not even talk about anything, you know, never mind politics and COVID and all. It's just things that he thinks about, incidental things. And I'm completely enraptured. I know you were too.
1: I mean, I love interviewing the guy. You know, it's funny. The first time I ever interviewed him, I had, you know, and I, I, I'm i still old school. I have the, the long legal pad when I do a radio show. Yeah. I have, like, bullet point notes, and, and I took notes for the interview, and I realized the first, this is you know, a decade ago, and I'm like, I can never do that again. I've never, it's funny that you tell that story. I've never taken, since then, a single notes uh-huh. for an Aaron Rodgers interview because that's, that's, a, that, that's suicide. That, that's a death march when you're interviewing someone like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know your stuff. I know my stuff. We, we, we know we're going to talk to Aaron Rodgers. You think about, you know, something in advance. If you listen to him, I mean, I, I am just mesmerized every time I talk to him. Like, you know, I asked him about playing in the snow. This mm-hmm. is coming off of the Tennessee game. He pauses. He says, Adam, I'm glad you asked that question. Mm-hmm. This is what you live for as a kid. I found myself on the TV timeout, on the bench, looking around, thinking of NFL films, old school Lambeau yeah. moments. I'm like, oh, my God, this, this is unbelievable. This is mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers talking like we're all thinking, watching a game at Lambeau Field in the snow, he has such an appreciation for it. Every time I talk to Aaron Rodgers, Kyle, I always find this guy is so smart, so interesting, and when I hear him talk football, right, and you t- we could talk to him about anything, Yeah, Devontae Adams running routes, mm-hmm. the rapport with Matt LaFleur. You know, the offensive line. I threw him a question about A.J. Dillon after the Tennessee game, yep. thinking, you know, he was going to say, well, A.J. Dillon, he could be a secret weapon for us. It was as if he was going to say, no, no, no. He's a rookie. Wait your turn, rook. We still have Aaron Jones. I'm like, oh, every time I speak to Aaron Rodgers, Kyle, I learn something else. It's amazing.
3: I know. And it's even, you wouldn't think, listen, you've been in this a long time, Adam, you're classically trained in this stuff. You wouldn't think that you would learn about media and interviewing from the player. You that's supposed to be your expertise. It's like him learning about quarterbacking from you, but you do. (laughs) And he loves it. And this whole thing he says about, you know, don't just have your prearranged questions ready. Let's, let's listen to what I say. A lot of athletes with all due respect, no, they can't lead the conversation. I'm going to stick to my questions because I know better how to lead this conversation. And if I follow you, you're gonna take the conversation which best suits you, and that's not to my best, my listener's best interest. No, with Rogers, it's like uh, being on some sort of thoroughbred. Like they ride, like you're just along for the ride. You can trust them; he will go interesting places. Just listen and follow when necessary, and just shut up because he'll talk. I mean, it's it's a joy, and that's why you getting him on your show, me able to land him back last summer. It's like yep. It's people ask all the time. I bet they ask you all the time. Oh, Adam, who who do you think is the best interview in sports? Who do you think is the guy that you yep. could have? You know, I remember for years that the answer would be Charles Barkley because he was so funny and just so blunt. And like, I I, I can't find a guy in any sport or a girl who is, is insightful and as interesting and as candid as Rogers.
1: We're on the exact same page, Kyle. You know, you guys do so many great things and you do so many great things on, on Good Morning Football. The Angry Runs segment, I mean, I look forward to that every week. My son and I, Theo and I watch that. It's just incredible. How did you come up with that concept? And I'm curious if you've ever gotten heat from a player, because I know everyone loves it, embraces it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten heat from someone who didn't win?
3: Uh thank you for the question. I'll start with your first one. The the way the angry Run segment originated was first of all, you know, I I played football through high school and through college and I was a running back and I was not a, a, a dazzling runner at all. I didn't have the great lateral moves. I wasn't juking guys out of their socks. I was more of a slasher. Like I, my 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 asset, the way reason I got on the field was physicality. I would like I was a lower lower the shoulder type of guy. I mean, my hero growing up in the Chicago suburbs in the '90s was Mike Alstott. That was my guy. So I channeled that, and then that became really the the content for Angry Runs. And I, I think it was about four years ago we were. Doing some offseason segment, and God knows you understand when there's no games and it's a football only show, you gotta just make up some kind of BS to talk about for six months when there's no games. Mm-hmm. I think that day I was talking about the fiercest runners, you know, who who breaks the most tackles? Never mind who leads the league in rushing or who's the slickest. Who breaks the most tackles? Who wants to punish the tackler? And I started talking about Mark Ingram when he was back with the Saints still and he was just nasty, this little fire plug Heisman winner from Alabama. And then I think I made a list. Here's my top five runners who run angry and then we decide to make a segment out of it and then every single tuesday i i get up there and i hoot and holler like a lunatic and i have my scepter or whatever we're giving out that amazing. week uh, it's really fun i uh <laughs> it's funny you say you watch it with your son i got a text the other day out of the blue from of all people josh mccown and wow. josh McCown, i don't know if there's a more respected guy in this era than mccown of course. And he says my son and i watch angry runs every single week and we always wonder if it's going to be the week that you finally pass out on live television (laughs) (laughs) one of these weeks i'm going to i'm going to lose my breath and asphyxiate on tv but until then uh it hasn't happened and to answer your second question yeah uh i've gotten heat from guys who have not won the angry runs scepter i've also gotten heat from guys who um who get run over in the segment, defensive backs and linebackers. Oh, wow.
1: I never even thought about that. Oh,
3: yeah. It doesn't go well for them. I remember we had about a three-week period where this uh, a journeyman, who I think was on the Cardinals this past year, but was on the Bengals for a long time, Drake Kirkpatrick, he kept being in the segment over and over. And I didn't mean (laughs) to do it, but, like, every week he would get run over. And then... You know Chris Conte, the former safety, got run over a bunch of times. So I sympathize for those guys, but it's listen, it's not happy runs. It's angry runs, and someone has to be the victim.
1: You're on Days of Our Lives. Yep. You're on the Real World. Yes. What's more of a reference point and applicable in your sports media career? <laughs>
3: um. Well, listen when i went on to the good morning football which was a huge day for my sports media career um i had never met nate burleson or kay adams ever and i barely knew peter so they just plucked us at the last second to put the four of us together so Adam, it was a little bit like the story of seven strangers picked to live in a house, work together, and stuff. Find There what we
1: go. Okay. Talking
3: football. It, it was really like the real world all over again, except, you know, there wasn't it, it, the, the dual-headed uh, twin shower and the jacuzzi and all that nonsense that was back in <laughs> 2001. So I think the idea of trying to live your quote-unquote real life while cameras are capturing it, I, I think it has to be real world because if I'm being honest – my character in Days of Our Lives was a one-legged Marine who turns out to be a NASCAR driver after he leaves the armed forces. So that's Obviously, not terribly realistic.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> of course, that's that's what it was. I mean, listen, I Days of Our Lives for me that that's what I watched with my mom growing up. Sure. I mean, you know, Bo and Hope and Patch yeah. and Kayla and, and Victor <laughs> Kiriakis. I mean, I, I was I was all in on Days of Our Lives in the eighties, Kyle. I mean, that like
3: sands through the hourglass, my friend. <laughs> uh, I, you're speaking to a I was. I was Philip Kyriakos, son of the great Victor Kyriakos. Victor Kyriakos, played by John Aniston, who's nope. the real-life father of Jennifer. And uh, it, listen, I got out when I was 23 years old, and I, I'm the same as you, dude. I, was, uh, I would watch with my babysitter when I was like seven years old, and it was Patch and Kayla and uh, Roman and uh, Marlena, and then Marlena, I came to work with yes. all those people. Like, th- those were, before it was Nate and Kay and Peter, it, it was it was and Hope and Tony Demera, and it felt totally natural. I loved it.
1: Now, before we let you go, Couple of questions as we live in the same town, Kyle. Yes, and we do. We live in the same town and you posted on social media what an unbelievable experience it was coaching in the flag football league, which I yeah. you didn't win a game, which nope. I've heard this league is unbelievable. You posted a a, a picture, you know, under the lights.
3: Yeah. What
1: was that experience like for Coach Brandt? Oh
3: man, thank you for asking about this. Um God, it was hard. I uh, All right, put it this way. I coached T-ball or coach pitch baseball in the summer. And you thought, okay, well, listen, I coach baseball. It's very difficult to get the kids to hit and to field. Football will be easy. Let me tell you something. Baseball is really easy. It's it's so simple. There's no keeping score. Every single kid, even if they swing 50 times, still gets to go to first base. Yay, it's all. Ha- and then it's football. And we came out at and this first weekend of our first game, you got these little six-year-olds who are picking dandelions and picking their nose and pulling each other's (laughs) pants down, and they don't care about anything. we, We lined up against this other team. I, I I would have sworn it was DK Metcalf over there. I, I don't know who, who these kids <laughs> came from or if we had a Danny Almonte situation, but these kids were running four fives and they had dips in and they had, had tattoos and beards. And like, I, it was unbelievable. I don't think the dads could have beaten these kids. So I said, Oh my God, wh- how are we going to win a game? And we didn't win a game, but we did tie. And the irony was, is it, like all of the teams in this league were given the, uh, the college mascots. So, you know, you'd have the Spartans and the Gators and the Longhorns. We were the Crimson Tide. <laughs> so we had nothing. <laughs> there was no comparison to real life. I was essentially, Adam, the Nick Saban. If Nick Saban actually went like oh eight and one It was one of the most emotionally <laughs> challenging things I've done in my adult life. I really mean it. And uh, very rewarding. But damn, it would have been nice to get a win.
1: What is your go-to item at the Chico's when you go food shopping? <laughs> what is the well, one item you have to have?
3: Okay. Well first What I have to have is Well it used to be before COVID It would be a high five uh, With my guy Pa In the produce section Who's uh, an unbelievable I've... enthusiast And a Cowboys fan Love um, Sam
1: and Pa Those guys are amazing Great awesome. guys
3: And great. you know If you're if you looking for anything If you're like You know I, I thought my, my wife sent me over some nectarines Or tomatillo, Some weird object He will go to the back And find it no matter what it is it, It's right. always back There incredible people there I'll tell you what I'm going to let you in I, I don't know if I've told you this before But I could give you an item on the floor. I can give you an item of of, of grocery. No. I like what is basically the de facto Westchester County speakeasy, which is the beer bar catwalk above the Chico's, (laughs) the second floor. And I'll tell you why. This is the greatest insight ever. And for anybody listening who knows what we're talking about, sure, you can go get a pint. You can get an IPA if that's your thing, whatever. Behind the bar – this, again, this is a supermarket. People are listening and be like, what the hell kind of supermarket is this? Behind the bar in the supermarket – they have a Sega Genesis, the old kind that we grew up with, with, loaded with all 500 games and Streets of Rage and Golden Axe and Sonic and all that stuff, and is they will let you true? play it as you enjoy your beer and your seven-year-old sits next to you eating yogurt pretzels. That is my hangout at the Chico's. Beer, Golden Axe, with the son eating yogurt pretzels. Now, that's grocery shopping, Adam.
1: I had no idea that that existed. Oh, my gosh. Existed. it's the I,
3: best. Now, there's no password, but if you tell them I sent you, you will get hooked up. Go upstairs play the genesis nice little saturday you
1: asked for you got it from the nfl network from the ringer the kyle brand podcast 10 questions with kyle brand which is unbelievable available on spotify and youtube the great kyle brand
2: Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. All you need is a moment to get somebody over. Then, the Ockham Barak Show keeps you updated on all things boxing. Let's not say that Canelo hasn't fought anybody with fighting guys on the way out. And Jimmy Smith has you covered for mixed martial arts. Do You want to look behind the curtain and see what these guys have to deal with for the amount of money they're making. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156.
1: Joining us right now, live on the line, the outstanding quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Nice enough to give us a few minutes, live on the line. Josh, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good.
4: Doing good. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Josh. It's great to have you back on the show, and I want to hit you with this. First player in league history with 4,500 passing guards, 35-plus passing touchdowns, Five or more rushing touchdowns in a single season. What goes through your mind when you hear those nuggets of domination?
4: I'm thankful. I'm blessed. I think those are the, the two words that pop up in my mind. And just knowing you know, what we've been through the last couple of years here in Buffalo and uh, the guys that our front office has brought in that just consistently do their job, get open, catch the ball. Um, you know, It's not just me out there. It takes the five guys up front blocking. It takes the other guys catching the ball the running backs get the run game going, opening up everything else. So, um, again, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, Dable and Dorsey and the guys that we've got in the quarterback room for helping me out. Um, ultimately, it's a, it's a team game, and sitting at 13-3 and three going in the playoffs feels good, but we got, we got more work to do.
1: Highest percentage of offensive touchdowns for any player in the NFL accounting for 82 of the Buffalo Bills touchdowns. I voted for you. I'm not just a host with unbelievable hair. I'm also a voter. I voted for you for Offensive Player of the Year. What would it mean to win either Offensive Player of the Year or NFL MVP?
4: Um, I mean, I, I do think those are team-oriented uh, awards, and I think the guys that typically win those awards, their teams are playing really good football, so uh, that's really the only thing that, that I would care about, to be honest. I'm not I'm not in flash and, and and being the biggest best guy out there, and uh, I just want to do my job for the Buffalo Bills and, and play football for as long as I can.
1: I love the fact that you guys decided to go for the jugular in week 17. I, I loved it. You guys played to win. You played for the two seed. You got out to the big lead, and then you were able to take a break and watch Matt play at the quarterback position. Take us through that mindset of staying hot with the Buffalo Bills going into the playoffs.
4: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I expected to play the whole game, to be honest, and Coach McDermott didn't really tell anybody what his plan was, um, you know, and uh, we scored right before the half there, and he told me I'm done, and uh, to get to sit back and watch some of our other guys that have been working their tails off, guys like Matt Barkley, guys like Antonio Williams, um, a guy like Nate Becker, getting to go in there and, and play meaningful snaps of football um, in the NFL, you know, it's 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 a blessing for sure, and to, to stand there and understand what we just did um, for the regular season, and um, you know the production that we had on on offense and stuff, and that's that's really cool. It really is. But uh, as we head into the playoffs, it's zero zero. Everybody's kind of reset. Um, it's winter, go home from here on out, and uh, you know we got to put our best foot forward going into Saturday.
1: How did you and Stefan Diggs develop this kind of chemistry and domination in an off season where Josh? Let's be honest, there was no off season. And you guys developed this unbelievable bond. It was just an incredible combination. I'd make the case number two in the NFL behind the combination in, in Green Bay. And you guys certainly had a case for for number one. Diggs had an unbelievable season. Seriously, how did you guys accomplish that?
4: Um, I, mean, I definitely think we're wired um, extremely similar. mean stuff. Uh the, the competitive juices that we got, Um, the energy, uh, like I said, we're just extremely competitive people and we're always betting on things, always trying to beat each other, um, doing things off the field. And we're not like, obviously with Corona and stuff, but playing call of duty together and then FaceTiming (laughs) and checking in upon each other. And it's just like little, little things like that, in my opinion, matter. And they pay dividends on the field. And, um, again, when you see him, he works extremely hard. He wants the ball in his hands and, you know, as long as he's open, I'm going to keep throwing it to him.
1: This matchup coming up in the playoffs is going to be spicy. You guys, I think, are the hottest team in the NFL, seriously, with a great opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. But that road to Tampa starts at home against the Indianapolis Colts. That's a well-coached team, tough-minded team, physical team. That defense, Josh, is filled with dudes. DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Matt Eberfluss, their defensive coordinator, is outstanding what do you see when you study that game film for the Indianapolis Colts?
4: I mean, you said, you said two of the names already. Uh, you got a young guy in, in Leonard that is just all over the field. Um, you know, he's a linebacker, but he plays like a DB. He's extremely quick. He closes up windows extremely fast. On the outside, you got guys like, guy like Rhodes, who's been, you know, a top corner in this league for a long time, and I feel like he's playing some of his best football right now. Um, you know, and then up front, you know, they're D-line, they're tall, they're lengthy. Uh, able to bat passes and, you know, tip balls and and try to intercept those. And um, a guy like DeForest Buckner, who, uh, you know, obviously was in San Francisco and uh, I really haven't known him, but, you know, uh, we have significant others that talk to each other all the time and um, just, he's balling out right now. And I, he was a pro bowl snub this year. uh, But just like I said, a guy that can wreck a game. So uh, you said it, they got dudes and we got to be prepared for everything they can hold on to. uh, They can throw at us. Uh, They got a Hall of Fame quarterback over there on their side, too. So uh, we got to we got to find ways to score and and keep them off the field as much as possible.
1: Josh Allen with Adam Shine, Shine on Sports, Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Josh, how about the fact that you're going to, for the first time all year, have some fans, some members of Bill's Mafia in the stands? Six thousand seven hundred fans are going to be in attendance watching your team play What does that mean for you guys to finally have some members of Bill's mafia in the stands to appreciate this team and be there with you guys for the postseason?
4: You know, I'm extremely excited for them. Um, you know, hopefully our, our 6,700 fans can make enough noise to to cause a disruption on their, you know, their third down offense, uh, make them burn a timeout or, or get a false start or something like that. Um, but I'm just excited that they get to be in the building. We get to kind of feed off their energy that they give us because they're going to be loud. They're going to be crazy. Um, and I know there's not a whole lot of them, but, you know, the difference that they have, it'll, be, it'll show. For Sean, sure.
1: Ma- Sean McDermott, the culture that he has established. And we've talked about this, Josh, throughout your career in Buffalo, but this has been a, just a special regular season. That culture, that commitment, that focus that's been established. How does that help you guys now in terms of preparation for the postseason? And what did you and coach, and we've talked about this in the offseason, learn from your first experience together last year in the postseason?
4: Yeah, I mean, coach, he's done a fantastic job here in the four years that he's been here, you know, leading the, the team to playoffs in three years, three or four years, um, ending in the drought, uh, if you will, um, just the the constant day-to-day routine that we have. It never changes. He's always the same guy. Guys really appreciate that about him. Um, You know, and as we go into the playoffs, you know, he said it today, we don't want to change anything. We don't want to change the team that we are and and change how we win. We want to keep playing football how we know how to play football and uh, playing complimentary football is something he constantly preaches. Um, So we got to go out there and we got to do that. And it's it's nothing different. It's obviously bigger stakes, win or go home. Uh, We know that. you know, we've set out uh, to go win a Super Bowl, and everything, like you said, the, the road to Tampa starts at home against Indianapolis at 105 uh, at Saturday, and um, that's our main focus right now is the Colts and, and trying to prepare a game plan to, to do whatever we need to do to go try to win a, win a football game.
1: I voted you for Offensive Player of the Year. I voted Brian Dayball for Assistant Coach of the Year. Listen, he is just absolutely superb. A lot of teams are interviewing him. He's on the radar to be a head coach in the NFL. What does he mean to you, your growth, your success? And, you know, if one of these teams, let's just assume after the Super Bowl, called you for a recommendation about Coach Dayball, what would you say? I'm not
4: answering. I'm not taking any calls on David's behalf. <laughs> uh, we, we want him here. Obviously, it's, we understand the business side of things. And, again, that'll come uh, hopefully later on in in the year. But, um He's been unbelievable uh, just for me personally, not just as a football coach, but as a, as a friend, as a, uh, as a role model, a guy that's from Buffalo um, really understands the people here and the culture and, and how to embrace it. Um, He knows the ins and outs. He knows the the good spots to eat at. He knows the people to talk to. Uh, He's just one of those old fashioned dudes. Uh, And you can tell he's a Buffalo guy and uh, he loves it here. And uh, again, whatever happens happens. I'm extremely thankful. I've been, blessed to be with him for the last three years. Um, he's, he's one of the great ones. And, you know, in my opinion, he deserves that assistant coach of the year award and uh, everything that's going to be coming to him. But, um, you know, like he said, we've we got a job to finish first here. And uh, he's the type of guy that, that won't think about that until the season's done. And hopefully, again, like you said, that's later on.
1: In terms of hitting home runs, what does it mean to have John Brown back for your offense come playoff time?
4: Yeah. I mean, just a savvy, smart route runner does his job. He's extremely quick. He can blow the top off a defense. Um, he's one of those guys too, that's just sneaky, unguardable. And, uh, I don't really know how he does it. You know, he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, but he he can run by you. He can go get some balls and, um, that you you don't think he can go get. And he's just one of those guys you love playing with. He's such an even killed guy. Doesn't complain. Um, just does his job and he makes plays when he has to make plays and, uh, that's usually most of the time he he touches the ball and he's finding ways to help this team win. You know, he's been struggling obviously throughout the year with an injury there and injury here. Um, And, you know, it hasn't been the easiest of roads this season for him, but, you know, to come out and play the way he did this last game, um, get some of those reps going into the playoffs. It was huge.
1: You know, coming out of college, there were people who wondered about Josh Allen. Well, look at the completion percentage, and he played at Wyoming. I I, I see your smile right there. I mean, listen, it to me, the whole conversation was was absurd. It, it was beyond absurd. Have you had that moment, and obviously you have bigger fish to fry, you want to win a championship, but you have this unbelievable year. You complete almost 70% of your passes, year three dominant. Is there a moment you kind of want to say to the haters? I mean, guys, what were you paying attention to?
4: No, I'm just, I'm just trying to be the best quarterback I can be for the Buffalo Bills.
1: Were you ever motivated or fueled by that, or is that just something that you just don't even pay attention to?
4: I mean, it's in the day and age that we live in. It's hard to to not pay attention to it for sure. Um, but like I said, this front office brought me here to do a job, and um, my job is to to do what they expected of me, and that's to go out there and help this team win football games, and that's all I'm worried about.
1: Final question. Last year at this time when we interviewed you, you said Buffalo wins a Super Bowl, you're jumping through a table. So just to confirm, about 365 days later, Buffalo wins a Super Bowl, Josh Allen is jumping through a table.
4: Uh, Tables, plural, Tables. light them on fire. And light them on fire, too. Let's do it.
1: All right, now I said if you guys win a home playoff game, I'm jumping through a table. Last year I said you make the playoffs jump, I'm jumping through a table. I got some heap because it was really a cardboard box. So this year, should I, should I make it an actual table? Is that how I raise my game? What, what advice would you give me? Do I have to light the thing on fire? What do I need to do here?:
4: light, Lighting on fire, I think is a little advanced, but I think you got to start off with uh, you know one of those tables you get at Target or Walmart and um, you know, the smaller ones where you jump right in the middle and they're designed to break. But you, you got to put some pressure into it and you got to jump from a little, little higher up than you think.
1: Okay, so a little higher up, table from Walmart. I get it. That's the way to do it. I'm going to jump. I'm taking notes as we speak. I will make sure that I jump this year after you guys win through a real table. Josh, you're the best. It's a pleasure watching you. We always appreciate the time on the show. Continue the success, my friend. Best of luck this weekend and throughout the postseason. we will talk to you again real soon.
4: Again, I appreciate you. Have a good one. Josh Allen with us here on Channel Sport. Sports.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have
0: stolen V!
2: From the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Adam Shine,
1: not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. I am really unhappy, really unhappy looking at the final standings for our pick segment on Shine on Sports. Bob Stew beat me by a game 128, 121, and 7. Even though Bob Stew humiliated himself. five ten and one in week 17. I was 7-8-1 in week 17. I had the knowledge and the foresight to change my pick to the Buffalo Bills. Hey, to beat the Miami Dolphins, to cover the spread after we all realized that we were going to see the starters and Josh Allen play for the Buffalo Bills. So, I was smarter than Bob Stew there. I hope you've been paying attention to these picks because you have certainly been raking in the cash. I was 127, 122, and 7. Bob Stew, you are the regular season champ. You're officially the regular season champ. Can't take it back. We're going to keep this baby
2: going throughout the postseason. Yeah, you know, it feels good to be the regular season champ because I got my ass kicked by you last year. I think I lost by 15 <laughs> to did. 20 picks. I mean, you were on complete fire. You've also had some other years in the past where you've dominated the playoffs. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. You have dominated in the past in the postseason against the spread, Adam.
1: I have, and I, I'm glad you said that because I have spent the last 30 minutes, and it one forty Eastern on Wednesday as we speak, Staring at these lines for the wildcard games, and again, these are the unofficial Bob Stew, Adam Shine predictions, okay? We will lock them in Friday on Shine On Sports, as we always do. You know, rarely do we change them. If we do, we'll tweet it out and we'll mention it, that there's a difference uh, from radio to the podcast. But these lines are Insane, absolutely crazy. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, and you know I love the bills. We interviewed Josh Allen. it's on the podcast. What a phenomenal spot. Video for it on Sirius XM on the app. It's tremendous. The bills, you know I think they could be Super Bowl bound. I I think they're the hottest team in the NFL at home favored by six and a half Bobs do against a well-coached, defensive-minded Indianapolis Colts team.
2: I'm not afraid of this line. I think it's time to break out the tables already, Adam. Look, I do think the Colts' defense is very dangerous, but you mentioned it. the Bills are the hottest team in the NFL right now, and the way that that offense is played, it shouldn't matter how good the Colts' defense plays. Look what Buffalo did to Miami in Week 17. Miami needed to win that game to get into the playoffs. Buffalo completely embarrassed them, blew them off the field. Look, the other thing is if Buffalo gets a lead earlier in this game, they're going to negate Jonathan Taylor. That could lead to a rout. Look, Phillip Rivers has looked really mediocre the last few weeks. If he's got a throw to get the Colts back into the game, it's going to be a blowout. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think Buffalo, they've been firing on all cylinders. I think they're going to roll in this game, Adam, by about 10 to 13 points.
1: Yeah, I think this one has like 35-20 written all over it. I love the Buffalo Bills. Shine on Sports. The Adam Shine podcast. Carmo with our guy, Josh Allen. And I think Diggs is going to have a monster game. Allen's going to have a monster game. You heard him talk about how he learned from last year in the postseason. He got my vote for Offensive Player of the Year. Love Darius Leonard. Love DeForest Buckner. Love Jonathan Taylor. I'm with you on the ebb and flow here. And I, I love the Buffalo Bills to win and cover. And. Listen, we talked about it with Josh Allen. We talked about it with Kyle Brandt. That means I'm going to have to jump through a table, a real table this time. And You heard Josh Allen give me the advice. You know, he says get the table from Walmart, Target. I have that. He wins the Super Bowl. He's going to have tables, plural. He's going to, you know, have fire around it. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So we'll do that for the start of our TV show on Time to Shine. We said preseason. On the Adam Schein podcast, we would jump through a table to start our television show when, not if, when the Bills won a home playoff game. We said it last year, and we did it if they made the playoffs. The Cinderella team, we were right. So we will jump through a table this weekend, and I'm going to take the Bills to win and cover. Bob, the Seattle Seahawks are favored by three and a half points, taking on what we assume. We don't know who's playing quarterback yet for the Rams. But we assume it's going to be the Wolf of Los Angeles for the Rams coming up
2: this weekend. I think it's interesting you have it at 3.5 because I have it at 4. And let's just be honest, the line's not going to stay here. It's not going to be 3.5. It's not going to be 4. We're going to know more by the end of the week here. And the you mentioned it. The fact that Sean McVay, he's been toying with the media about one thirty nine p.m. Pacific time on Saturday being the timeline to make a decision on whether or not Jared Goff is going to play. That's telling, and it's also a major concern. Look, if the Wolf of Los Angeles slash Wall Street has to play against Seattle, this is not going to be close. It won't be a fair fight. The Seahawks defense, they played as well as they have all year in the second half of the season. I hate, hate, hate betting on Seattle. I hate it. They're a hard attack waiting to happen Don't every do it, week. Bob. All, all they do is play close games. Look, Don't take last it, week, Bob. for instance. They score 20 points in the fourth quarter against the Niners. They score a touchdown. They go up 10, 149 to go. What happens? CJ Beathard. 75 yards, 1 minute, 20 seconds, marches all the way down the field, backdoor cover. Look, I'm positive the Seahawks are going to win this game. Will they cover the spread? Who the hell knows? I have no idea with Seattle. <laughs> I'm going to wait until Friday for this pick. I never usually wait before I make a pick. I need all the information before I make a pick for this game. man. So you would, advise, you would advise people in general not to touch this one? I think if you don't believe Jared Goff is going to play, I would – bet the house on seattle like See, I, would be- I bob i disagree i'm telling what? you i'm telling you first of uh. all let's go back to a
1: premise that we agree on i don't trust seattle i i don't trust the defense and the offense down the stretch of the season second half it just wasn't the same as the first half there's no more conversation about russ and the mvp no more dk metcalf conversation o-line wasn't great my only i'm taking the rams with the points my only debate on Friday is whether or not I pick the Rams to win. I mean, I can't circle the Rams fast enough with Aaron Donald, with Jalen Ramsey. I went on that rant. You just quoted it on the radio on Sirius XM on China on Sports earlier today. I love that McVeigh is being a little bit curt with the press. You know, people forget because he looks like Brad Pitt. I mean, the guy is tough as nails and he is a great X's and O's coach. He motivates his team. I'm grabbing the points here with the Rams. My only debate is whether or not on Friday I'm gonna pick him to win outright. I can't stress enough how much I love the the LA Rams. I've got the box right now at eight and a half courtesy of our good friends over at William Hill going up against the football team. I I love Chase Young, Bob. You know that I do. I, I said preseason, rookie of the year. He's going to be the rookie of the year. I I, I can't imagine this offense is going to keep it close. I, I can't stress enough how much I love Tom Brady, this defense, and
2: the Buccaneers
1: to win and cover.
2: I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if you had to make a list of all the underdogs and pick one team that has the least chance to upset a favorite, I would pick the football team. I mean, forget the fact what their record was. Are they back into the playoffs with the situation with the Eagles? Their offense to me is the worst in the NFL. It's worse than the Jets offense. And look, Todd Bowles, admittedly, he's not the best against high-powered offenses and huge spots, but he feasts on bad defenses like Washington's. Alex Smith is not fully healthy. Look, they struggled against the Eagles. They didn't even have Fletcher Cox last week in Philly. And you said it. You mentioned Chase Young. We're going to hear about that all week. Chase Young, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Chase Young. Great. I don't really care. The game's going to be won by the Bucks defense versus Alex Smith. I love Tampa. I would not be surprised if this line keeps rising, Adam. I think they're going to win this game 28-12 over the football team. You know, I can't wait for the Sunday games either. I mean, I think they're going to be all magnificent games. I'm so pumped that we get two extra games on wildcard weekend. I can't wait for this Ravens and Titans game. I mean, it's the rematch of last year in the playoffs. The Ravens, Adam, currently Our guys over at William Hill, they got them favored by three points. How do you feel about this game? I
1: love the Ravens, Bob. They're on my list of four teams, as we said at the start of the podcast, that I think can win the Super Bowl. And listen, it's no disrespect to Tennessee. I love Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill has been great the last two years. Love A.J. Brown. Love Mike Vrabel. I just think Baltimore's offense is rocking and rolling. Love J.K. Dobbins. Love Lamar Jackson, so well coached under John Harbaugh. Love both their coordinators. I do think revenge from last year is a factor. And also, we said this on the podcast right after the Dallas game. I don't want to hear that that was just Dallas. We were waiting to see the Ravens look like the Ravens. You saw it in the, in the stretch run uh, during the regular season. I think Baltimore is going to win this game by seven points.
2: You know, I think it's interesting, you've been mentioning the Ravens, and the Ravens have been unbelievable, spectacular over the last month of the season. You know, you could even argue they've been the best team in football. I've been watching the Titans a little bit more closely than the Ravens lately. I mean, they were blown out by the Packers, they weren't even competitive a couple weeks ago, but last week to me was even worse. They got carved up by the Texans and Deshaun Watson, a team that was dead. Remember, the Texans just lost to Brandon Allen and the Bengals the week before. The same Brandon Allen that couldn't even put together 50 passing yards against the very same Ravens the week after. And now they're playing the Ravens. Ah, man, this is a massive revenge game. You mentioned it for the Ravens. I just thought it was a weird game last year in the playoffs. I mean, the Ravens got stopped on fourth and short a bunch. Tennessee hit every third down conversion early in the game. I think you throw that playoff game out the window from last year like lamar he's back the ravens offense is back the ravens are healthy they're the one team i wouldn't want to see in the playoffs if i was kansas city i wouldn't be surprised if they even beat the chiefs i am absolutely taking baltimore in this one i think the fact that it's only three points out and i think it's completely ridiculous they're going to win this game by at least 10 points
1: i don't think there's any question about it and bob i love the fact that nickelodeon has a game this year in addition obviously to cbs for the saints and the chicago bears and you know the the spread right now is ten points. The Saints favored by ten. Listen, I'd rather have SpongeBob playing than Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback <laughs> for the Chicago Bears. You know Theo Shine is all pumped up about this game. He watches Thundermans. The Thundermans. It's a Nick Teen show. I mean, he's only five, but he's obsessed with this. A family trying to acclimate in, in regular life when they're really a bunch of superheroes. I'm I'm into the show. I'm I'm paying attention. Yeah, let's just say I I love the Saints with Alvin Kamara and with Michael Thomas coming back. Theo might be watching some reruns of the Thundermans by the time the (laughs) second half rolls around. I I think the Saints are going to destroy the frauds
2: that are the Chicago Bears. Yeah, you and I definitely disagree here. Ten points in a playoff game feels like a lot, Adam. And if you remember, these teams just played each other a couple months ago. Nick Foles almost beat Drew Brees. That happened. The Saints needed to win that game in overtime. I thought the Bears played pretty well against the Packers, despite what that final score read. They just missed so many opportunities in that game. Multiple dropped interceptions. They went one for five in the red zone. If you remember, this was only a week ago, it was a five-point game early in the fourth quarter with the Bears driving deep in the Packers' territory. If Chicago can just capitalize on a couple more chances, I think they're going to be in the game. But Mitch they can't not-
1: capitalize.
2: That's that's the problem. I mean, and I know Mitch has played well down the stretch of the season, but,
1: I mean, am I allowed to mention the Detroit game when they were up by, by two scores and he, he just kissed that one away? I mean, we're still talking Nagy. We're still talking Trubisky. And, and Bob, I you know me. I'm not a believer in the Saints and this version making a run with Drew Brees. That's still a nasty defense. And did I mention Kamara, Michael Thomas coming back? Come on, Bob.
2: Well, they're not 100%, though. I mean, Michael Thomas is not going to be 100%. But the other thing with Mitch is he's not going to throw five interceptions like P.J. Walker and Teddy Bridgewater. He's a conservative quarterback. The other thing is, sure, the Lions game is a great point. He made a huge mistake at the end of the game. They scored 30 points and were in the game. I don't need the Bears to win. I just need them to be around. I need them to stick around and keep it kind of close. I think that's going to happen. Chicago's been pretty good at sticking around in games they don't deserve to be in this year. The defense always gives them a chance. It's 10 points. I like Chicago getting the 10 in this one, Adam. They're going to be in this game.
1: Only the Browns, Bob. I, I mean, we, they've been waiting, the Browns fans, since 2002 oh. to make the postseason. Kevin Stefanski has, has COVID. He's an unbelievable head coach, first-year head coach, phenomenal play caller. And, you know, that was one thing, right? Then you realize after the news broke that Joel Batonio, their outstanding guard who I voted for, first-team All-Pro, he has COVID as well. He's going to miss the game. He was literally going to go head-to-head with Cam Hayward, who is outstanding. Bob, my only debate is whether or not I'm still going to pick Cleveland to win. I am huh. definitely picking Cleveland with the points. As we sit here right now, and the line has jumped from three-and-a-half opening line, Pittsburgh Fair about three-and-a-half, to now six. And I get it. You don't have the head coach. You don't have the voice in Baker's ear. You don't have one of Baker's protectors on the offensive line. I can appreciate where Vegas is coming from. I just go back to something I was light years ahead of the curve on. Pittsburgh's not that good. Ben Roethlisberger looks like a 38-year-old coming off of elbow surgery, which is not a surprise because he's a 38-year-old coming off of elbow surgery. They can't run a lick. Bud Dupree is out. Devin Bush is out. My only debate is whether or not I'm going to pick Cleveland to win outright, but I will definitely take Cleveland with the points.
2: I mean, Pittsburgh's not a great team. You're right about that. But Cleveland is worse than Pittsburgh. Look, you know I never believed in Cleveland this year. The team is fatally flawed. The offense is very simple to stop. If you stop the run, you'll win the game. I know you mentioned it. Steelers are banged up on defense. No Bud Dupree, no Devin Bush. They've been without those guys for a couple weeks. Remember, T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, they both didn't play last week. That's a big deal. They got a week off. Cleveland needed every last second to beat Mason freaking Rudolph in the same Steelers. They had trouble at home with fans moving the ball against Pittsburgh. To me, that is a massive problem, and you hit the nail on the head. Joel Batonio out due to COVID. Uh, that is a major loss. He is a great player. He's great in the running game. I just think that Brown Super Bowl was last week, Adam. Look, I know they're playing Pittsburgh. I think, I just think they're happy to be in the playoffs. Like, I know it's a divisional matchup. They're just happy to be there. They're not in Pittsburgh's class. I don't like that the line is raised to six. That does give me pause. Six, I think it's even going to go higher. I think it could go as high as seven, to be honest. But I'm still going to lay the lumber right now. I'm going to take the Steelers to win this game by a touchdown.
1: I'll tell you what you're going to be doing with that lumber by the time late <laughs> Sunday night rolls around. We'll put a nice, big, fat, happy red <laughs> bow in this outstanding edition of the Adam Shine Podcast right after this. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Kyle Brandt, what an interview. Josh Allen, how much fun was that? That was incredible. Bob Stew, sensational. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM On Demand, listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button, leave a review because you love the Adam Shine podcast. And we love you. Of course, you can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam shine podcast
2: for more from Adam shine. Listen to shine
0: on sports on mad dog sports radio,
2: 9am to noon Eastern on Sirius XM mad dog sports radio channel 82.
0: At bet three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three point at the buzzer to tie the game, or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.